as part of the Jeremiah Show. It's the Arwen Lewis Show. Arwen Lewis is a singer, a songwriter, and a guitarist. She inhabits our blue planet, but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm. As the daughter of Peter Lewis, a founding member of rock and roll cult icons Moby Grape, and the granddaughter of Oscar-winning actress Loretta Young, she's been part of the creative cosmos all of her life. She's a slice of sonic heaven, poised to enter your heart, mind, and soul. She's an artist, producer, and writer, and she's your radio host. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. I'm here under the Jeremiah Show platform, and my show features musical artists. Um, We talk about their extensive careers in the music business and um, the projects that they're working on now. Today, I have a very, very special guest, Mr. Freddie Steady Kirch from Austin, Texas. Um, Freddie is a musician, songwriter, producer, a record label head of Steady Boy Records. He's got a rich musical history and he's been a bandmate to artists like B.W. Stevenson and Jerry Jeff Walker, as well as a frontman for many of his own bands. Um, so, Freddie, welcome on the show. Thanks so much for coming and having a conversation well, with me. Thank you, Arwen. Thanks for inviting me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Um, I thought we could maybe just start by let's tell everybody where you're from and what inspired you to start playing music and what was your first instrument? Okay. Uh, Well, I'm from, uh, I was born in Houston, Texas, and I grew up in a little town called LaPorte. It's uh, between Houston and Galveston on the, on the Galveston Bay. And uh, I lived in Austin for many, many years, uh, I just moved to Buda, Texas. It's between Austin and San Marcos. And um, it's not, it's 13 miles out of Austin, but um, it's very, very different, very low key. It's got a beautiful little old Main Street and uh, been very happy here. Um, I started playing uh, because of the Beatles, me and a million other kids. Um, Some of them, most of them probably grew out of it, and some of us didn't. Yeah. (laughs) Do you have a favorite Beatle? uh, You know, it's changed over the years. I mean, Ringo, of course, was my favorite when I started, because I I don't know why I was so attracted to drums, Mm -hmm. but I was, and that's my first instrument. Um, I think George Harrison may be my favorite Beatle now, but it kind of moves around. You know, uh, George, there was so much more there with him that um, I just I I have so much admiration for the music that he chose to do. And uh, he's just a cool guy. They all they're all cool. I've seen Paul McCartney a handful of times now. Um, I've seen Ringo a couple of times. And whenever I see them, I'm watching them going. I can only imagine how much what it must have been like to see the the Beatles, you know, because one of those guys has more charisma than a, a major U.S. city, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, gosh, all four of them at once. But um, yeah, dr- you know, drums. I started drums um, at age ten. Okay. 
and started playing in, in bands and in rock bands at that age. And uh, I started playing guitar about two years later. Now I'm, I am studied in drums. I read trap set charts. I read orchestral stuff, guitar. I'm self-taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never had aspirations to be a lead guitar player, but I wanted to be a rhythm player and be able to accompany myself and have an instrument with which to write songs. Yeah, and you can really hear that in your guitar playing, too, because I know you've worked with my dad a lot, too, and he always talks about how rhythm guitar is really, it's like a percussion instrument. Um, And being a drummer and and then a rhythm guitar player afterwards, um, I feel like the two complement each other really well, and it's just different expressions of the music. Um, And it's also, you're also a singing drummer, and that's a really big asset to a band. Um, and so about your bands today, we're going to talk about uh, your album Dandy from the Freddie Steady Review. But you've got you've had quite a few projects um, over your career. Uh, we have the Freddie Steady Review, Freddie Steady and the Explosives, uh, the Shaken Apostles. Uh, what was your first band? Was it the Explosives? Uh, yes, that was the first like professional band. Prior to that, when I started my career in music. Um, it was 1973, and I played in um, like a Holiday Inn lounge band. Nice. And and um, I was having so much fun, I just didn't know that that was not what I should be doing. But <laughs> I, I was getting to play, you know, every six nights a week, and that's what I'll, you know, what I wanted to do. So I did that for about a year. And then I moved to Austin, Texas in 1974. Okay. And, and kind of really seriously started looking at my career. 1975, I played drums with a guy named B.W. Stevenson. Okay. He had a hit called My Maria. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And which was covered by Brooks and Dunn not that many years ago. Uh, but it was B.W.'s song. And um, then I, that was 75 and 6, 77. I played with Jerry Jeff Walker. And I was always the youngest guy in the band. And, yeah. and, and I kind of I felt it and I felt that way. And, and I thought I really would like to try to do something on my own. And that's when I started the explosives. And who was in the explosives with you? Well, it was Cam King, played Cam King. lead guitar. And a guy named Waller Collie, Waller Sonny Collie played bass. And we we had a keyboard player briefly, Reese Winans, who we, Reese and I played together with Jerry Jeff. Reese now plays with uh, Joe Bonamassa. Oh, he, okay. played, he played with Stevie Ray Vaughan, went on to, to do all that. But Reese was with us briefly at the top. And then we had another guitar player. And we just... It just kind of the way when the dust settled, we figured we were a three piece and we, you know, all three of us wrote and sang Mm -hmm. and it was a really good combination. So we did that uh, 79 through 82. We were also Rocky Erickson's backup band whenever he played. We, you know, we did a lot of gigs on our own, but when Rocky played, we were his backing band and we did that again. 2005 through eight when he kind of made his comeback and um was, were the explosives also i know you covered fall on you on an album called too hot for snakes was that the that, 
that, no, that was Shaken Apostles. The Shaken Apostles. Okay. Um, tell me about the Shaken Apostles a little bit. Well, um, okay. After Explosives, I went over to England. I was working with a dear friend of mine, a fabulous singer-songwriter named Wes McGee. Okay. And uh, 1986, I spent like half the year in England that year. And um, that's when I started, you know, I put together the Freddie Steady's Wild Country. And I did that, which is now what people call Americana. But, I mean, you know, we've been doing that in Texas forever. I mean, we a little bit of uh, Zydeco and some Tex-Mex, Conjunto, and mix it up with some R&B and country and rock. But I made a record doing that. And then by the late 90s, my my writing style, I could feel a change. And mm-hmm. it, se- it just seemed more suited to rock and roll. Yeah. And. Yeah. And and so I um I patterned that band, the Shaken Apostles. Two of my all-time favorite bands ever are the Moby Grape and the Buffalo Springfield. Mm-hmm. And those are three guitar, bass, and drums bands. And that's that's what I put together with Shaken Apostles. That was the formation of that. And who who is who are the band members of Shaken Apostles? Well, uh, originally, the guitar lineup was John Inman, who we played together with Jerry Jeff Walker, and we're working together now again. Fabulous guitar player, and he was kind of my my cohort, and we co-produced the first two Shaken Apostles records. John Inman played lead guitar, and another guy named Danny Thorpe, who he and I had played together in. Uh, oh gosh, 1975. Oh, wow. And, and Danny. And then I had a, um, bass player named Ronnie Johnson and David Bender was the drummer. Okay. And we had, had that lineup for a couple of records. And, you know, like a lot of bands, things change. This guy goes, that guy comes back in. Um, but I got Cam to come, you know, Cam. Cam moved away from Austin, uh, you know, in the, probably the mid eighties, he moved to LA and, and yeah, he lived in LA. He, um, lived off Melrose and worked at a place called the soap plant. It was like they had Haitian voodoo masks and toys and gizmo. It was a really cool shop. Um, and, and, you know, then he moved to Nashville and lived there for years. Uh, but we always managed to work together. And I think there's only one or two records that I've done that he hasn't played on. Done oh. something on them. But he, Cam is on the one. Um, the, uh, the, it, I, actually, I cut Fall on You twice. I cut It's on um, Shaken Apostles Medicine Show. That's a studio album. Okay. And Cam's playing lead. And then uh, I did a live record called Too Hot for Snakes. Yes. And and it's on that one as well. Uh, I the, I always loved that song. I mean, I bought that album. I was, uh, I think, in seventh grade when that came out. But I was already, you know, I was a very seasoned player already. Or when I'd been playing a good two years, 
Yeah, yeah, and you, I feel like you, that was just engraved in you probably from the beginning. That's what my dad said. I mean, as far as a guitar player, you're amazing and songwriter, amazing, great producer. Um, and he just loves the way you play drums and sing at the same time. It's such a valuable asset. And you're always right in the pocket. And it's super like the Shaken Apostles that fall on you live take is like one of the coolest things I've ever heard. It's so cool. Oh, it's like sexy rock version of it. I love it. Thank um, you. And for those of you who don't know, my dad's name is Peter Lewis. He's uh, from a band called Moby Grape. And Freddie Steady Kirch, my very special guest in him, have been good friends and uh, made a lot of music together over the years. And um, if you're just tuning in, we're here with Freddie Steady Kirch. He's a Texas Music Hall of Famer. And we're talking about his extensive career in the music business. And we were just discussing his bands called Freddie Steady and the Explosives and the Shaken Apostles. And I mean, and all of the albums you made, how many albums do you think you've made in total in your life with all the bands and projects and solo things that you've done? Uh, it's somewhere around a couple hundred. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've worked with a lot of, you know, um, Besides the Texas people, you know, Jerry Jeff, B.W., uh, Jimmy Dale Gilmore, Butch Hancock. But I've also I made a record with Roger Waters from Pink Floyd and when I was in England. And I uh, got to do a record for Carol King. Carol King. OK. So, yeah. You know, so I kind of um, musically it, I'm all over the place, but it all makes sense to me. I mean, I can go to. Uh, uh, the Broken Spoke, where they do country dancing, and then I could go to the punk rock club the next night, and I'm comfortable everywhere. It all makes sense to me. I was just having this discussion with, I don't know if you've met George Adrian, but he's um, a bandmate to me and my dad that we've been working with for about eight years or so. And we were just having the same discussion last week. He was, we were talking about how, you know, it's as a musician such as yourself, who's so versed in like every genre, it just depends on what mood you're in. And it's like a different exploration of being a human being when you're expressing yourself differently through all these different genres. Um, but you have to have that sturdy foundation, which you have developed like over your entire career. And I also wanted to ask, so when you're talking about um, when you made an album with Roger Waters and the Who and Carol King, did you produce those or were you playing drums on them? No, I was hired to play drums. And I, uh, uh, the guy that <clears throat> engineered Wes McGee records, the, the guy I was playing with over in England was Roger Waters engineer. He's the guy. That you know, he was worked with Pink Floyd, and when Roger left, he went with Roger. But he was the guy that it was his idea to put the kids' chorus on uh, "Brick in the Wall." That oh, was wow. Nick Nick Griffiths. He was a fabulous guy. But he called me one day because Wes McGee does a bunch of like Tex-Mex, real fast snare drum things for me, and um, he called and he said, "We are working on a." It was a, a animated black comedy film called when the wind blows okay and it was about a middle-aged couple living in the english countryside when the nuclear war starts oh, yeah okay and and so they call me they call me they wanted me to do snare drum you know and and he said freddie i want you to give you know 16 measures and he said now i want you to do it 20 times i want it to sound like 20 snare drums and <laughs> and what's you you know you work so hard as a musician to be 
precise. Mm -hmm. And we cut about six tracks, and he said, it just still sounds like one drum. So we had to get creative, and I would tune the drum differently and use different size sticks. And, you know, it's it's like, you know, you work so hard to sing on pitch, Mm -hmm. and then, then you try to sing off pitch and you can't. It's yeah. sort of the same thing. It's like, I'm trying to get, but I would try to move around a little bit, do this and that. It was really fun. And then uh, the nerve wracking part was we got done with that and, and they were working on a song for this album. This album, Roger Waters was a musical director, but it, in, it includes David Bowie, Squeeze, Paul Hardcastle. All these British guys that won Hillbilly from Texas. Yeah, I love it. You. <laughs> and, and so he said, let's try this um, this track. They had, it was 1986, and electronic drums were all the rage at yeah. the time. And they had cut with electronic drums, and they wanted to do try something bold and use real drums. So they put me on this track. Roger Waters, we, we recorded at his house. He had a 72-track board. Wow. Count them, 72. I'm going, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, so we go in there, and Nick is, you know, he's got the, the pads, and he's putting all the instruments up, and he, he takes his whole hand. He said, you got these five background vocal parts, and he pushes them up, and you hear these beautiful voices, and Roger said, yeah, I don't want that. Nah, I don't want those anymore. He said, well, you want me just to take them down? He said, I'll erase it. I don't care. And now, Arwen, any of us who've been in the studio knows how costly it is. And to just to hire five people to do that part and go, yeah, just erase it. Yeah. So I sit down behind the drums and I think, if he doesn't like what I do, <laughs> what's going to stop him from erasing that after I'm gone? Oh. But I made the, made the cut. I actually, on that the, the the when the wind blows, I I did the snare drum cadence scene. I did want to play drums on a track. It's a beautiful song called Towers of Faith. And can we find that online? Oh yeah, find it on YouTube. Towers of Faith. And if you you can artist, put. I'm sorry. You, no, go ahead. Uh, what was the artist's name for that particular project? Just so we can find Roger it. Roger Waters. Under Roger Waters. Okay. Yeah. Towers of Faith, and it's it's a beautiful track. Uh, I really liked him. He was a, uh, you know, I didn't know. I mean, I knew, of course, who Pink Floyd was, but I didn't know much about him. And I expected this dark, brooding guy. Uh, yeah. Now he's not goofy like I am, but he wasn't dark and brooding. You know, he's just nice guy. And we went down to the pub and. Had a couple after we got done, and um, interesting thing, he was he noticed my tennis shoes. He, I had some Nike, some new Nikes, and I just come back from America. I went back and forth a couple of times that year, and he said, "What are those? Where'd you get those?" And I was, I said, "Well, they're these new Nike, whatever." And he and he looked at his. He said, "I've got thirty pairs of these Nikes." He said, "That's all I wear." That's awesome. That's awesome, awesomely interesting. But uh, we had a we had a wonderful time, and also got to do a voiceover. They needed an American voice, and so, you're very American too. <laughs> yeah. So Nick Nick calls me at Wes's house and said, "Hey, we need to do we need you to do this part of a U.S. 
bomber pilot talking on a radio. And here's your script. Write it down. And I wrote it down. And I said, well, do you want me to come to the studio later today? He said, oh, no, do it over the phone right now. <laughs> he wanted that sound, like a radio, something on the phone. So I read it over the phone. That's in the movie. And that's I really appreciate those types of recording nuances here and there you know because it makes it feel it gives it a little more character you know like rather than making it sound absolutely perfect on the recording board you've got yeah. to sound like it sound like you're actually calling in and from a telephone it's like being in a movie you know like like a yeah. sound right yeah um and how cool that you had got to have that experience um and then did you hang around in england for a while after that too or what brought you back to well, america and what did you do next well that i had in fact i almost didn't do that session i had been there a half a year 1986 and i love england i absolutely love it there i love the city of london but i missed barbecue and i missed mexican food and just those little things i was ready to go home and and, and they called me to do that roger waters thing and and i said wes i just i want to go home and he said no you need to stay and do that and i'm glad i did oh um but i i went home after that i would i would say i've kind of figured over from the mid 80s through the 90s i probably spent about two years in england in total i will well, go for periods of time and stay there i mean and what a rich um you know musical city to be able to spend time in create and create with all of their legends um and when we we're going to head out to break pretty soon here um but i'm going to let all of my listeners know right now that you're listening to freddie's steady kirch that's freddie's steady spelt k-r-c and you can find more out about him at freddysteadykirch.com, steadyboyrecords.com. And we're here today talking about his extensive career in the music business. And we're featuring songs from the Freddie Steady Reviews album, Dandy. We're going to take you out to break with their song, Chopped Beef, and bring you back in with Muchacho Baracho. And when we get back, we're going to talk about this project. I'm going to learn more about Freddie as a musician, producer, songwriter, and label head. And you're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. Chop beef on white bread. Wash it down with a red drink. Chop beef on white bread. Wash it down with a red drink I don't need everything but the kitchen sink Just chop beef, white bread, red drink Go and get yourself a country girl In a fresh pressed light blue cotton dress Put on some slacks and a nice shirt But don't wear white cause you might make a mess When sometimes nothing else will do
salvation. Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. You just heard Freddie Steady Kirch's song, Muchacho Baracho. It's from his band, The Freddie Steady Review. And uh, we're talking to Freddie Steady Kirch today. He's a Texas Music Hall of Famer. Uh, you can find out more about him at freddysteadykirch.com. You spell Kirch, K-R-C. You can also look up his record label at steadyboyrecords.com. And Freddie, in addition to being a musician, songwriter, performer, he is also a producer. And he recently, um, in the past few years, has released a record from my dad, Peter Lewis of Moby Grape, called Just Like Jack. It's such a cool record. It's a Texas rock version um, of all of my dad's uh, songs for that piece of work. And so, Freddie, why don't we talk about how you guys got together and what the uh, production process of that was like. And we also will talk about um, the new, um, or not new, but the revival of Bob Mosley from Moby Grapes, True Blue record that's going to be coming out on Steady Boy Records too. So why don't we start with Just Like Jack and then go into True Blue. Okay. Well, let's see. I'm trying to remember when I first got to meet Peter, but I, in the 90s, I, I was on a label called Eastside Digital. It was part of Ryko Disc, and I had a decent budget for my recordings. And I wanted to get Peter Lewis and Bob Mosley mm-hmm. on my record. And I, I have a friend here in Austin named Tom Orden who okay. knew them, and he kind of got me in touch. Um, and Bob was not doing great then, and I was not able to get in touch with him, although he he knew that I was trying to. Anyway, so Peter and I just kind of got to know each other over the years. I think I sent him some of my music, and then I went to the, you know, the Moby Grape did a, a reunion 2001 in San Diego. Were you there? Did no. you go to that? I wasn't there. I for some reason I thought you were at the Wetlands with them too, or maybe the Shake no. had played there or something, and you guys had crossed paths. No, no, but it, um, it that's when I remember meeting Peter and you know the and Bob and Connie was in San Diego. It was a Balboa Park, Balboa Outdoor Amphitheater. Yeah, maybe I was there, actually. Okay, I was very young, but I think I actually did go to that show. There were a bunch of bands on the bill. There was, a, you know, uh, the Jefferson, whatever they call themselves that day. The Jefferson yeah. somethings. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah, and Country Joe. But Karen and I, I came to see Moby Gray because, I, you know, they were always one of my favorite bands. I never got to see them back then. I was too young. No, well, you know. And you're in uh, tech- well, they did come play in Texas. They, they did. They played Houston. They played Austin. They played the Vulcan Gas Company in mm-hmm. Austin. They played, um, I think they played the Catacombs in Houston, but I know they played Houston also. Okay. There's a girl that I, I know there. She has passed, but she wrote a book about called The Boys from Houston, about the Houston music scene, and she covered it from late 50s through the 90s but the 60s was a real focus and she sent me a picture uh of a receipt from don stevenson for a hotel room that (laughs) apparently something attracted him in houston and he decided to stay over (laughs) and and she sent me this i got tickled seeing it um but anyway, so Peter and Peter and I just kind of got to know each other and talked and and um you know 
you and I had talked about Rocky Erickson, who was schizophrenic, and Peter, you know, we'd compare stories, and he'd tell me these Skip Spence stories, and I'd tell him about Rocky, you know, and the way we dealt with that, and uh, just got to be friends, yeah. you know? And that, that record, just like Jack, I mean, that's that's probably the my favorite thing I've ever done. Wow, really? And and people, you know, by the way, I'm I'm start I'm writing a book. I'm starting a book. Yeah, and and I just put something in it about that, you know, people don't understand like I would step over the Rolling Stones to get to play with <laughs> the Moby Gray, you oh, know, wow. like um it's just and it's not that I, you know, I love the Rolling Stones, but the Moby Grape was just one of those bands the birds, the Beatles were always my number one. Moby Grape, Birds, Buffalo Springfield, and number five would float in my top five. Who who was my favorite that week? Those four never left my top five. Wow. Well, so I getting, <laughs> getting to work with Peter, you know, was just great. And I'm just so proud of those songs. And I, I like that he sort of, you know, we co-produced that and he let me gave me a little leeway and let me do some things he might not have done or, or, you know, like percussion things and stuff like that, which are things I consider really important to recording because they're, they're subtle, they're ear candy, but they're things that keep people going back to a record going, what was that? I heard on the chorus, you know, or whatever. Well, the drums are the the heartbeat of the of the songs, really. And I know that you were his first choice for drummer on that. And the Texas rock vibe on that is so cool. And um, a couple songs that I want to point out about that are "To the Hearse," which is kind of a really cool song a story. If I can tell it really quick, yeah. Um, my dad had he was working with a poet named Emma Liebler in Michigan, and I he had I think he was he had taught a songwriting workshop that diet, but they had actually also gone to the prison and played for the prisoners um, and had a really profound experience. Um, but my dad was teaching a songwriting workshop. I don't believe it was in the prison. I think it was just at the university of Michigan. And this man wrote this beautiful song called to the hearse. And my dad had found the lyrics and um, he was like, Oh my God, this song is just absolutely beautiful. And so he took those lyrics and you guys came up with this beautiful country rock ballad for it. Um, and then also you have Sailing, which is Ooh. a really cool track. Um, and like, so that was him. My dad and Skip Spence did Sailing, right? Yes. Uh, and I remember when they recorded that, I was actually, I think I was might have been there. It was like in the 90s or something when we used to go visit Skippy in Santa Cruz. Um, but Skippy has is doing that really low baritone voice. You actually have Skip's voice on that recording. And then those harmonies that come in are so cool. And that I feel like is kind of the most psychedelic song. Mm -hmm. on, would you agree on that? Record? I, would, I would agree. And it, and it's also, now your dad wrote that bridge. My, it kills me. It's so good. And that bridge is masterful. It's so beautiful. The imagery is untouchable on that. And I went, oh, my gosh, you know. Um, the, the whole thing was really fun for me. But, yeah, sailing, there's something really magic about that track, I think. 
Yeah, and then you brought in so Cam King's playing lead guitar, mm-hmm. and then Layton depending Layton, yeah. And and when we're at, he was the engineer. We recorded our part in his studio. Right. He's the guy I work with. He he's um Mr. Spock. Yeah, he's very, <laughs> he's very methodical, and I, as you can tell, am more the excitable boy. You know, so we meet we meet in a really good place that I won't let him overwork anything, but he won't let anything get by, you know. And yeah, I mean, I because and then I remember and I guess in 2017, my dad allowed me to play with you guys and we got to come out to South by Southwest and we played fun shows. We played at the Driscoll. And so we had Layton was on bass and then drums cam on lead guitar and um and then my dad of course on playing his songs and that was one i mean for me that was one of the most magical experiences of my life but i just remember thinking i was like these guys are so good this is such a great band i'm just so happy to hear that music my dad's songs come to live with the way that you produce that record and people can still get it right on steady boy records oh absolutely and and um uh I can't I won't go into great detail, but I will I will say that I have a new distributor I'm gonna start working with and it will go yet farther out there. So it's it's already I mean you can get it anywhere online. It's available yeah. anywhere. Cool. And then let's both um for the last part of this little segment, let's talk about um True Blue, which is Bob Mosley's um solo record that he released i guess in the 90s on taxum records that's right yeah. and so now you're going to be re-releasing it with some new art let's yes talk about that and the music let's talk about the music and bob <laughs> well you know he did bob did two records for taxum the first one was not his songs this was the first one he had done in a long time that were all Bob's original songs were on True Blue. And Dennis Lauren uh, did the cover for for Just Like Jack. Right. Is doing the cover for this, and he's doing a fabulous job. I, I Just an hour ago, I got the proofs to look at, and it, it's just looking great. Uh, Bob, um, God, what can you say? I mean, the guy, he's a fabulous everything. I know the voice like like a thunderstorm <laughs> into yeah. and but like yeah that was the thing we only have a couple minutes before we go out to break but I think a couple things to point out about Bob Mosley from Moby Grape is that you'll never hear anybody who can sing and play bass like that man and it just um his sound is so full and beautiful and he has also this beautiful soft sensitive side as far as a lyricist and um uh, who really quick? What's the music like on that record? Do you know who the musicians are? Yes, uh, Dale Ackerman. Okay, Drums. plays keyboards, keyboard player, and um, oh gosh, um, James Preston played <gasps> oh, drums. You know, the, the, he was the guy playing when I saw him in San Diego. Played with he Moby Grape. Yeah, yeah. And it's mainly those guys with Bob. Bob plays bass and guitar on this. Nice. And um, he's just, uh, he's pretty fabulous. I, I just was thinking about when I was first getting to know Peter, and he sent me, 
he sent me one of his recordings and there was something where he hit a really high note and i always think of peter as more of a baritone and i said peter i had no idea you had a high range like that and he said well when i was around mostly there was no reason for me to do it yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the truth mostly was up there at least he knew his place and no, i'm just kidding <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think I think Peter's got quite. You know, like I said, I had no idea he had that kind of range, vocal range. Oh, with, which he exhibits on sailing. Yes, he really yeah. he's got like a three octave. I mean, he's seventy eight now, but when he was in his prime, he can really just like he was unbelievable too. It was like a trumpet or something. Yeah. Um, but so for our listeners, really quick, we're going to head out to break. Um, my very special guest today is Freddie Steady Kirch, um, Texas Music Hall of Famer. And you can find out more about him at freddysteadykirch.com. Kirch is spelled K-R-C. Look up his music that he's released on his record label, Steady Boy Records. And you're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. Please enjoy Freddie's song, The Girl Who Wore the Violet Crown, from the Freddie Steady Review. radio show uh, my very very special guest today is texas music hall of famer freddie steady kirch we're playing songs from his album dandy that he released with his band the freddie steady review uh, we took you out to break with a very beautiful song called girl who wore the violet crown and we brought you back in with dear delilah and um, freddie a girl who wore the violet crown the imagery in that is so beautiful um Let's talk about that song. What's it about? And yeah, what inspired you? Well, I, uh, what inspired me was the writer O. Henry mm -hmm. lived in Austin for a time. 
And he observed that Austin at sunset appeared to have a violet crown around the city. So, so now you're, you know, if you come down here and visit, you might see Violet Crown Theater, Violet Crown Cleaners. People are starting to use that term for Austin. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this, um, my wife Karen and I left Austin um, December of 21 and moved to, we're in a little town called Buda, B-U-D-A. Uh, 13 miles south of Austin. And I know it's not, you know, like a million miles away, but I never dreamed I would ever leave the Austin city limits to, to have a permanent home. Yeah. And it's it's grown so much. It's changed so much. And all those thoughts were going through my head. So I wrote this song titled "Girl, The Girl Who Wore the Violet Crown could be about a girl who wore the violet crown. Or the girl who wore the violet crown could be the city of Austin. So I just kind of left it uh, to the listener. You know, if it hits you one way, great. If it hits you another way, that's great. Well, I really love that story. And Austin's one of my favorite cities, too. And now that you say that, I can, the sunsets, they do kind of turn violet, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's nothing really like an Austin, Texas sunset. And especially like when you're kind of downtown and you can see it going over the Colorado River and everything like it's yeah. just cool. Um, and I mean, you've had s- such a and you were let's talk about this. You've been in Austin and or at least, you know, in the vicinity for a long time and you were really there at its prime. Like what was Austin like when it was like rootsy and really cool like it's still yeah it's still cool but i mean it was i moved here in january of 1974 i was uh 19 the coolest time to be there oh my god and what people it's hard for people to believe it was incredibly inexpensive to live here (laughs) and that's why uh the, the art was able to grow like it did music dance painting everything artists could afford to live here mm-hmm. and it's not so much that way anymore yeah. uh, it was you um you have to work harder but it was like everything was so inexpensive everything everywhere you looked it was cool i mean it was just wasn't um there were no slogans there were no you know austin visit austin it was just you either knew it was here or you didn't and you know do you think the music, um, as far as like, do you think the music has changed? Because I know when I was just there for South by Southwest and I got to play in your showcase, that was really fun at Antone's. Yes. Yeah. My friends and I went to Willow and Jet. We went to a place called Moon Tower uh-huh. and uh, they had this awesome blues band and like they were so rootsy. And I was like, well, this is what I think of when I think of coming down to Texas to watch music. Um, so I know that all that roots music still exists. But do you think um, that the music scene as far as like the local scene has changed or do you feel like that has kind of maintained its tradition? I think it's kind of maintained its tradition. I don't see that diminishing. Uh, something's got a, a hold of it here. And, and you know, it's it's just it's harder for musicians, you know, like I'll read these stories about kids move here and well 
I had to get a job and he had to get a job and now we don't have time to practice. So the band broke up and stuff like that. You, you know, but it was, it was never easy. I mean, nothing worth it is easy, That's but it's, good. but it, yes, it's still got that feel. And there's, um, there's a real, there's a tradition here, but what I've always loved about Austin, now I moved to Austin. I was drawn to the city because of the singer songwriters, the Jerry Jeff Walker, Willie Nelson, B.W. Stevenson, uh, Rusty Weir, Steve Fromholtz, all these great towns fans. Zant lived here, the great songwriters. And I get here and I go, wow, there's a great blues scene over there. There's a, a straight, what I call straight country, you know, traditional country. What I liked about, you know, what it was called was progressive country, you know, yeah, cool. the, and, and, what I loved about it was it was like guys who they weren't aping, uh, you know, like I'm going to sound just like Ernest Tubb, but they would take some of that and take some Buck Owens and put themselves in it and come up with something really unique. Like a fusion. like Yeah, absolutely like a fusion. And that's why, you know, I didn't know as a kid, like, why do I like the birds? Why do I like the Moby Great Buffalo Springfield? Now, I know that Jerry Miller and Don Stevenson were rockers. I know that. But, like, Skip Spence and your dad came from another place. kind of, You know, not that they couldn't rock or didn't, but they also had this folk roots thing. And that's what I learned about the birds. All the bands that I liked the most had that depth to the writing. You know, and it makes the music more interesting. I mean, it depends on what kind of mood you're in, but it makes it more all like a classical composition, I would think. You know, like, I mean, there are just more parts um, that have to fit together in harmony, and it's all very sophisticated, too. Um, and I think that our ears, like, kind of, you know, they like to hear that sometimes, but sometimes you like to hear something simple, like straight country music. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. And I, um, that's when I finally learned to let my ADD work for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to work for it. I'm going to let it lead me. And that's, you know, when I perform, I play every week mm -hmm. in Buda. I play every Wednesday. And um, I never use a set list. And I just go where it's, you know, and I look at the crowd and see what's, you know, what's going on and and just let it lead me to where I think it needs to go. I love everything. Uh, I remember one week, you know, when two chords is enough, I went and saw the seeds. Do you remember yeah, oh, them when you're pushing uh -huh. too hard? And then a week later, I saw Brian Wilson, you know, two completely, but I love them both the same, you know? And so what, we have about three minutes before we wrap up. Um, let's talk about like, how so does it depend on the night depend on your audience like how do you want your listeners and your um audience to feel when they see you play or listen to your music and does it coincide with the way you feel when you watch one of your favorite bands um i i don't know i yeah. don't know if it does or not but i know that when i when i'm in a room and i'm looking at the audience i want to connect that's what music is whether you use, you know, 12 chords or one chord or all these lyrics or I want you, I want you so bad. You know, they. however you're trying to reach them, that's the whole idea is 
to connect with people. And so I look at a crowd. I have so many songs yeah. in my <laughs> head. My songs and cover songs. Are, I love to do throw in a Beatles song or uh, Love and Spoonful or whatever, you know, but just uh, and sometimes I'll see some older people and I think, you know, bet that Everly Brothers song will go pretty, you know, and I just enjoy it because um, I, uh, I don't feel like I have to do all of just my stuff because I'm a, such a fan of other people's music. I like doing that also. You know, my shows are 80 percent my stuff, but I like to throw in some fun things just to see how the crowd reacts, you know. Well, and I think, I mean, I, I have this conversation a lot with a lot of my guests is that that's like tr- doing other people's songs. It's like a tradition um, of folk music. And that's part of the community that it creates and it creates connection, which I think we all need, like you just said. And also, it's interesting to hear your songs and then hear you do uh, a version of an Everly Brothers song or the birds, because then you're like for a second the audience has to sit back and listen like oh is that the birds or is that freddie's song you know (laughs) you know and so it's nice to hear it coming from a different artist um and we're actually gonna head out to break really quick here uh i'll let our listeners know that you're listening to the arwin lewis radio show i've got texas music hall of famer freddie steady kirch kirch is spelled k-r-c He's here talking about his amazing career in the music business um, as a drummer, guitarist, songwriter, record label head, bandmate. And um, we're going to take you out to break with his band, Freddie's Steady Reviews song, I've Been Framed, from their album, Dandy. And we'll bring you out with one of my favorites on this record, Walk Tall. Such a beautiful song. And then don't go anywhere. Because we're going to feature Freddie's song, the Freddie Steady Review, their song Bohemian Dandy in its entirety at the end of this um, segment. So we'll be right back and enjoy I've Been Framed. Trouble downtown last night Started with words Ended in a fight Someone threw a fist Somebody swung a pipe Someone pulled a gun And somebody used a knife Fifth Ward sidewalk Sizzling hot Houston, Texas That's my home Sometimes bad luck is all I got Why can't trouble just leave me alone? I dance the dance of a thousand shadows And I ran with those who like to see me fall I guess my 
Good morning, everybody. You're listening to the Arwen Lewis Radio Show. You just heard Freddie Steady Kirch's song, Walk Tall. That's off of his uh, release, Dandy, uh, by the Freddie Steady Review, which is Freddie Steady Kirch's band. You can find out more about Freddie Steady Kirch. Kirch is spelled K-R-C at freddiesteadykirch.com. Look up his record label at steadyboyrecords.com. Freddie Kirch is a Texas Music Hall of Famer, and he's here today talking us, um, talking to us about uh, his extensive, amazing career in the music business and as a musician, producer, songwriter, performer, bandmate. And uh, we're going to feature the Freddie Steady Reviews song Bohemian Dandy in its entirety today, and that's coming up here in just a few minutes. And so, Freddie, I thought you could tell us about um, the meaning behind Bohemian Dandy and uh, anything else you want to share about that track that I haven't asked already. Okay, well, uh, I was on Facebook a few couple of years ago and a a friend of mine referred to himself as a Bohemian. And I replied, well, since my family, you know, Kirch is Czech, Mm -hmm. I said, since my family comes from Bohemia, I'm a Bohemian with a capital B, and this girl wrote in, you're a Bohemian dandy. And I went, ooh, <laughs> I like that. And I um, I was in the Czech Republic uh, in 1990. I went and made a record over there. Okay. And, and uh, I did do one gig. Our ambassador at the time was Shirley Temple Black. Okay. And so I got to do a gig with Shirley Temple. You know who she is? No. She was a, she was a child actress. Oh, was, I, I didn't know you meant actual Shirley On the good Temple. ship Lollipop, Shirley okay. Temple. Her name is, you know, Shirley Temple Black, and she did her speech in Czech, which I was really impressed. Okay. Anyway, so Karen went with me. My wife, Karen, went with me. We were there about six weeks. I made that record and did a few gigs. And... Uh, I always wanted to write something about it. So this all just sort of fell in place. There's imagery in this song. We'll stroll across the Charles Bridge where the gypsies sing and drink and dance. Um, I went back. That was 1990 when I made the record. I went back in 96 on tour and I stayed with a a guy that I had met there that was our translator the first trip. And he lived, the Charles River runs through the middle of Prague and, you know, of course, out each way to the countryside. He lived out of town on the Charles River. And when I went back, it was like February of 96, snow okay. on the ground. And he said, Saturday, this Saturday, we'll cross the river and I'll take you to where the gypsies drink and play and sing. Cool. What he didn't tell me was that we were going to walk across the frozen river. I was terrified. I bet. (laughs) But I did it. I mean, the Charles River, it was a long walk. There was a lot of room for anything to happen. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, so I used some of the image of the Powder Tower, the Charles Bridge. Uh, 
I've been lucky enough to have traveled all over Western and a good bit of Eastern Europe. And Prague is not just because my family comes from that area, but it's just a beautiful city. You know, I've never been, but I've, I mean, I've seen pictures and heard all about it. Um, and what a cool way to celebrate Prague and Bohemia. Um, and the imagery that you really come up with and the lyrics are, is very beautiful. And it, it takes you there, right? It takes you into that scene, which makes a great songwriter. You know, you're able to, all of your songs that um, on this record and beyond, they really, they paint a picture with the words. And I really loved what we were talking about earlier about girl with a lavender crown too. Um, I didn't, I, I mean, I didn't think about um, that. The lavender crown was like a metaphor for the sky in Austin. Uh, but it really, it's cool that it can take the listener kind of wherever they decide they want to go. And that's what your songwriting does. And so we're going to wrap up the show here, and I'm going to let our listeners know again, if you're just tuning in, this is the Arwen Lewis Show, and you're uh, hearing Freddie Steady Kirch all the way from Austin, Texas on the show today, and we're talking about his amazing career as a musician, a bandmate, a record producer, a record label head, he's a Texas Music Hall of Famer. And we've been featuring songs today off of the Freddie Steady Reviews album, Dandy. And we're going to take you out uh, and play in its entirety, Bohemian Dandy. It's a featured track today, and that's a song written by Freddie Kirch. Uh, Freddie, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing all these great stories. It was so fun to chat with you. And um, everybody, you can find out more about Freddie at freddiesteadykirch.com. Kirch is spelled K-R-C steadyboyrecords.com and look him up under the Freddie Steady Review. Freddie studying the explosives or the shaken apostles. If you want to hear more of the music and anyways, Freddie, thank you again. It was great to chat. And I'm so happy that everybody gets a little more exposure to your music on my show. Thank you so much, Arwen. It was a blast. Lots of fun. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Enjoy Bohemian Dandy by the Freddie study review. with me Down ancient streets of cobblestone Take my heart and you will see You'll never have to be alone I'm salty as the sea Sweet as sugar candy We'll stroll across the Charles Bridge To where the gypsies sing and drink and dance I'll take along my mandolin And by the tavern light I will seize my chance I'm salty as the sea Summon the right words to 
love, I'd love for you May the words compel you You overtake my senses And you leave me defenseless show was brought to you by evolve entertainment host arwin lewis executive producer jeremiah d higgins producer and sound engineer richard dr d dugan you can find arwin lewis and all of her music at arwin and follow her on instagram at arwin lewis it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football fantasypoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points fantasypoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play whether you play fantasy football daily fantasy sports or do a little bit of everything fantasy points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.